Hey, good morning. Welcome to the church basement. Well, we're going to call it our church basement. It's actually the office basement, but we're going to call it the church basement today. And here's why we're going to do that. We were really, really careful when all of these changes started happening so fast. We were really, really careful to not say that we're canceling church services. We tried to use like a location, like, hey, we're not going to be meeting at Shoreview. We're canceling Shoreview, whatever. We wanted to say we're not canceling church services because if you trace that word church all the way back, all the way back to the Greek, you find that it was a word that was meant to signify the sacred assembly. Church is where God's people are gathering. And today, many of us were gathering at all these different locations all over the place. And let's do church together. Let's do church together. So welcome. Welcome to Sunday services wherever you are. Well, this whole experience, being down here in a, in a church basement, it's bringing me back to our roots as a church. We founded Emmanuel back in 2007, and our very first launch team meeting was in a church basement. And that very first launch team meeting, some of you were there, was the same day that the 35 bridge, 35W bridge collapsed. And I remember as we're having our very first meeting as a launch team in that church basement, people coming in, and some people who had just had a near miss. We had other people who weren't sure yet where their loved ones were, and they were going to be right around that bridge at that time. You know, that event, it brought us closer together. Well, more of you were here in 2008. That was our first full year as a church. And in our first full year as a church, that's when that big recession hit. It hit just while we were launching, and it hit hard. You know, those were challenging times. But we kept following Jesus. We kept doing our best. You know, and what we learned then in that recession, it's really serving us well now. Well, still more of you were here in 2010. In 2010, war broke out in Juarez, Mexico. And one of our friends, Joel, got kidnapped. We got that phone call that so many of you have heard about before. Hey, can you take this young man that the cartel's coming after? Ramundo, our two-year-old church, we were forced to grow up really, really fast that year. Well, in 2012, 2016, we were still growing. And as we were growing, we faced two really, really, really painful times of staff transition. And we learned invaluable lessons there about the importance of being, having a shared vision and shared values and to have these God-honoring pathways towards conflict resolution. In each of those seasons, we were confronted with challenges that we had never experienced before. Never experienced before, at least not together. But together... As we did our best to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we came out stronger than we did going in. Well, in 2019 or 2019, you know, we, we talked about this as we got towards the end of the year, right? It was a rough one. It was a really, really rough year for a lot of people. We had so many folks that, that lost close loved ones. We had people that lost jobs. We had countless situations where people, they were praying desperately, and the answer they were getting was either a no or not yet. You know, and one of the things I remember us saying and really sensing as we got close to, to 2020 was, oh, I'm so glad, we're so glad, right, that we're turning the page on 2019, even that whole decade. But I remember sensing and we remember saying how 2020, we need to remember that 2020 might not be all that much better. There's going to be challenges probably waiting for us in 2020, maybe even challenges bigger than any we faced together as a church. And we're certainly facing one of those right now. COVID-19, how do you describe it? Um, maybe the best way I can describe it is 
something that happened on Saturday morning. On Saturday morning, um, I went into my daughter Emma's room, she's a junior, and uh, flipped on the light switch, but it was still dark. So I went to replace the bulbs and her room was really, really dark and, and I dropped one of the light bulbs and it shattered on the floor, the hardwood floor, in the dark. You know, COVID-19 is a lot like that, isn't it? It's like walking into a dark room barefoot, wondering where to step and where, where not to step because of the broken glass. Well, here's what we do know. One of the things that we do know is that what we're doing right now is important. It was important for us to hit pause on meeting together as a big group. It was important for us to do this, and I'm so thankful that so many churches are doing the same and setting that example. You know, And as many, many pastors have said so well, they've said this so well, this isn't about fear. This is about really loving our neighbors as ourselves, and we're committed to that. You know, I, I know this group, you know, Mike uh, Dvorak is sitting here off to the side and, and he's one of many who when we had that blizzard in 20, uh, 2018, hundreds of people showed up in the, this epic blizzard for church services. That's the kind of people we are. But this is different. This is different than, than the blizzard. You know, this might be, this kind of thing here might be our new normal when it comes to trying to gather us together as, as uh as part of the ECC family. This might be our new normal for a while before we can meet together as, as one big group. So if you're not already, this is so important, make sure that you get signed up for ECC mail updates. Connect with Kelsey at Emmanuel.Church, get signed up for them. Um, we're gonna be doing a lot of our communication through there and that's also gonna be our jumping off point to so many different ways uh, to communicate with you in, in the weeks ahead. So make sure you get signed up for that. And in the weeks ahead, we're also going to get better at this. I'm so thankful uh, for the team that was able to put this here together. Thank you so much, Sam. Um, this is great. And we're going we're to get better at, at this, including trying to get to the spot where we'll be able to stream on Sundays, to be able to stream. Um, and so we can all be experiencing this together at the same time. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is really important. I'm feeling this really, really deep, deep down here. Let's not settle for streaming. Let's not settle for streaming. The, the, the main reason that, that it took so long for us to finally say, okay, we're not going to meet, even though we have one last Sunday that we could possibly meet at the community center, one of the reasons it took so long to say, nope, we're not going not gonna to do that, because I wanted one last chance to gather us live and in person and pull out that Coach Chris part of me and huddle us up and to say, we're not just going to make it through this. We're going to be stronger on the other side of it. And God is going to use this. He's going to use this in our lives to make him more like him. He's going to use this, this to help us make an impact on our neighbors and those around us. I don't believe he sent this, but I believe that he's going to be working in and through us if we let him, if we let him. You know, consider the circumstances that the church of Jesus Christ was born into. While many of you are watching this on Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, we are going to have uh, some of our leaders are going to be gathering there at the community center. We're going to be praying for you. We're going to be praying for our, our church. We're going to be praying for our neighbors. We're going to be praying for our world. And one of the things that I, I'm going to be doing with those leaders is I'm going to say, let's talk about the book of Acts just here a little bit. You know, Let's talk about the situation that that church was facing and look what God did in them and look what God did through them. And let's learn from their example as well as the example of believers throughout history. We're facing circumstances even more challenging than, than this one. Let's seize this moment. Let's, let's make sure that what we're doing right now, that this we're not just looking at this as a pause. We're not just looking at this as a patch. Let's see what we can learn from this as we lean into it. Let's seize this moment. 
to, to, to rediscover, to discover, to go deeper into what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You know, when we aren't meeting in groups of more than 250 or less, if you don't have the six feet between you. Let's seize this moment to really press into what does it mean to love God with our whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Remember, services, they're not canceled. It's just going to look different here for a little, well, for we don't know how long, but it's going to look different for a while. And it's my hope, it's my prayer that we look different too on the other side of this. That we look different too. Because we brought church home. Because we brought church home more than ever before. And we discovered at a more profound level what does it mean that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. And we learn more than ever what does it mean to really love our God with our whole heart, soul, and mind and strength. What does it mean to love and serve our neighbors as ourselves? Can I get an amen to that? On the other side of the camera, right? Well, if all we could, all we do is stream services for the next couple weeks or months, if that's all we've done, then we've just gone backwards, because that's not the church that Jesus died for. That's just a podcast. But if this is one part of us moving forward, then that is a different deal, right? If things play out the way that they did in Asia or the way they played out in Europe, you're gonna want to be walking with Jesus. You're going to want to be walking with him through this. And your neighbors are going to need that too. And I can't wait to hear the stories that start coming out. We've already heard so many great stories of small churches for the last several years. But I'm so excited to hear the stories that are going to come out of this, of how we were caring for one another during this time. And we want you to be sharing those stories with us so that we can be sharing those with others. How cool would it be? How cool would it be to have this network that's built in so that with one of your, your small church they, or one of your, your, your friends, they're at the, the target right when the new shipment of Lysol comes out and boom, they can get one for you and one for them, right? And on a much deeper level, if the virus hits your home, that you've got somebody that's looking out for you, you're checking in with one another, we can leave food at each other's doors, whatever it takes to care for and serve one another. Let's not settle for streaming. This is going to be important, but let's not settle for just streaming. It's going to be one important part of what it means to be an authentic church. All right, so we're going to be switching gears here pretty soon. Um, we're going to be coming back and we're going to go into the Word here together. And so there's a couple things that I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to, to download a couple songs. Download Come and Listen by David Crowder or have access, get access to it. Download The Way, parentheses, New Horizon by Pat Barrett. Get your Bible, get the notebook and pen, and we're going to meet back here. And once we get started on this, I, 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 let's not go backwards. We've got a pretty good rapport on Sunday morning. So, so treat this like you would treat a Sunday morning. If you're normally saying amen, say amen. If you're normally taking notes, take notes. When I give a horrible dad joke, if you give me the polite laugh of, <laughs> then give me the polite laugh of, <laughs> if you're my wife and you're my kids sitting in the front row, just go ahead and roll your eyes like you do. You know, and if you're my kids, count how many times I do this and how many times I say, I encourage you, because that's what they do. Just do what you normally do. Let's make this real. Let's make it possible or make it, uh, make it as, as real as we can. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to hit pause, go get your stuff, and then we're going to come back here and then listen to that first song. Listen to Come and Listen by David Crowder so that we can get our minds and our hearts all set to really come and hear from, hear from Jesus this morning. All right, ready, go. Well, I want to start by saying a big thanks to Mike and also to Sam for setting this all up. 
This is not just Sam sitting back there with his iPhone. This is the real deal. I wish you could get a, a little view from this, this standpoint. Maybe sometime we will in the future. But, but we're going to dig in now. And I hope that you listen to that song. I, I really do. In fact, one more chance. Hit, hit pause. Listen to that. That song that helps us get into this place of come and listen because that's what we're going to do. We're going to open up our Bibles together. We're going to look at the words of Jesus that have spoken to people in far worse situations than what we're going through now. So I strongly recommend that you do that. Well, um, back in 2007 that we referenced earlier, there, there was so much we didn't know back then. But here's the thing. Love God, love others, follow Jesus. That was our North Star. It still guides us today, it's just we word it differently in our mission statement. We exist, we say in our mission statement, and we mean this, to help more people become more like Christ in authentic community. That's, that's what we're about. We're, we're trying to have everything that we do be about that. And I can't urge you strongly enough, strongly enough, to really read the four Gospels between now and Easter. Get to know Jesus or get to know him again. Look at the actual words that were written about this one-of-a-kind moment in history that affected everything else. You know, if you're going to binge, they talk about all the binging that's happening right now. If you're going to binge, binge on the Gospels. You know, take the time that you would have spent with March Madness or the NBA, the time you would have been going to soccer practice or any of those other things that have been canceled. You know, rediscover Jesus. Because it was this good news of Jesus. This good news, his presence in our lives. This has brought the church of Jesus Christ through everything that the gates of hell could throw at us over the course of history. Well, today's teaching is about hypocrites. And this has a far, far wider application than I ever considered. And it's especially applicable to us right here, right now. Now, when you think of hypocrites, the images that come to mind are friends betraying friends, it's traitors betraying their country, it's corrupt police officers, corrupt politicians, corrupt priests, corrupt pastors betraying those who they pledge to serve. Well, when we think of those people, we're reminded of this, that hypocrisy is harmful. Hypocrisy is harmful. Hypocrisy is destructive. It's destructive to relationships. It's destructive relationship with God, with others, and even with yourself. In John 10, Jesus draws a clear distinction between himself and who he calls the father of lies and the deception that comes with him, the deception that comes to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life and we might have it to the full. If we're going to experience that full, abundant life, then what we have to do, among other things, is to identify the, and, and root out hypocrisy in our lives. So let's take an example of this where Jesus calls it out. We're going to go to the word here. And again, the timing on this teaching, it ended up being remarkably relevant because nobody says, nobody says, oh, the church is the building. Nobody says that. Nobody says, oh, Christianity, it's just a Sunday thing. Nobody says that. But if you take away the building, if you take away meeting on Sundays, here's the hard question, how much of the rest of our week really looks like full devotion to Jesus, truly following his way? If you take the building out, if you take the Sunday ritual out, how much of our whole life looks like that? that that's an uneasy question to look at. But why point fingers at ourselves when we can point them at the Pharisees? Let's do that. Let's do the easy work of saying amen as Jesus calls out hypocrisy in them 
And then what we'll do is we'll work our way to the harder work of applying this to us. So here we go. If you have your Bible with you, open up to Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 36. You know, normally at this time in our message, we let you know that we've got a Bible in the back of the room that you can take on your way home. You know what? If you're watching this and you don't have a Bible at home, um, give us an email. You know, shoot us an email here. Uh, you can do it at kelsey at emmanuel.church. We would love to, love to get you a Bible. So let us know if, if, if that would be helpful. All right, here we go. Matthew chapter 23, verses 1 through 3. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but do not, but not what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Now let me say that one again, make sure that it's coming through here. The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat. So practice and observe whatever they tell you, but not what they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. Well, those scribes, this was, it's, it's interesting when you study these things, the, the scribes were professional interpretive experts on the Hebrew scriptures. They were kind of like a seminary professor. The Pharisees, they were considered experts when it came then to applying the scriptures. At least that's what they're considered. And they were kind of like, this is a loose analogy, but they're kind of like a hyperzealous, ultra-conservative pastor. Now this phrase, this is what was interesting, this phrase, sit on Moses' seat, it's an interesting one. And it speaks to the accuracy of Scripture. It originally was thought to be just symbolic, that, that they were just saying, hey, that these people, the scribes, the Pharisees, they sit on Moses' seat, meaning they're in, using his authority because they can interpret the five books that are attributed to Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They know what this means. They can tell you how to live this out, so they have the authority of Moses. That's what it was thought to meant. To, to this Moses' seat was thought to meant, just be symbolic. But archaeologists, they found literal chairs, get this, in first century synagogues that fit that description. So once again, the Bible shows to be accurate um, in so many ways. All right, well, the point here, the point here, let's get back on point. The point here that Jesus, is Jesus appears to be making to his first century Jewish audience, the point that he appears to be making to them, is that the first five books of the Bible, when rightly taught, they should be practiced. That's kind of the main point here. He says, you know, they sit on Moses' seat. Hey, when, when they're giving you the right stuff, listen to it. Don't do what they do, but listen to it. But the problem that Jesus addresses here, as he unpacks this, is they add things to Scripture that aren't in there. And they also miss the majors. Let's continue reading. Verse 4, 23 verse 4. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. What God gave through Moses, it's good when properly understood and applied. But what the scribes and the Pharisees had done, they had laid these massive obligations on people and these things had become burdensome and they become oppressive. And not only that, they're seeking the spotlight. Take a look at this, um, verses five through seven. They, they do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long. And they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and in greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. Think of the contrast of what they modeled and then what Jesus modeled and taught. So different. Because it was Jesus, instead of laying these burdens that people couldn't carry, he was the one who said, hey, come to me, you who are weak and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light he says. And then it was Jesus who, instead of seeking all the spotlight, he humbled himself, even becoming obedient to death on the cross. All right, now verses 8 through 2. I'm already 
8 through 12. I'm ready to pick up some of these. He said, okay, you're not to be called rabbi, for you have one teacher, and you're all brothers. And call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you should be their servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled. Whoever humbles himself will be exalted. All right, now this passage used to confuse me. Because the Bible itself, later on, it refused to refers to people as fathers, teachers, rabbis, instructors, all these kind of things. But the context here appears to be um, very much linked to what the Pharisees and the scribes are actually doing. And that is trying to draw the attention to themselves. This flows right out, if you remember, right out of what we read earlier about them wanting to look perfectly pious. They wanted to get the VIP treatment wherever they went. And the ultimate goal of a disciple of a rabbi was to become like the rabbi. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, the end goal isn't to become like the rabbi. Jesus cast a vision for a different kind of disciple where the fathers and instructors and teachers and rabbis were teaching people to be like Jesus. That they were brothers and sisters all trying to become more like Jesus instead of absolute authority figures that we should all follow. All right, well, starting in verse 13, here come the woes. Here come the woes. Verse 13, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. For you neither enter yourselves or allow those who would enter to go in. This is the first of seven woes, which, if we had more time, would be really interesting to contrast with seven blessings that Matthew attributes to authentic followers of Jesus during the Sermon on the Mount. Well, verse 13 also introduces the word hypocrite. This is where we start to see that word here in the text, hypocrite. It comes from a Greek word that was a theater term. Back in the day when the Greeks would do some of their theater, often one person would play more than one role and they'd have these masks. And when they played one role, they'd put on one mask, they'd go off stage, switch masks, and come out, same person, having a different role. And they would switch masks each time they did that. All right, let's continue on with the text. We're going to go verses, uh, let's see, verse 15 says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte. And then when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice as much a child of hell as yourselves. All right, here's a second woe. They are making converts, but what are they converting them to? What are they converting them to? To authentic faith or to something else? All right, let's go on. Verses 16 through 22. All right, woe to you blind guides who say, if someone swears by the temple, it's nothing. But if someone swears by the gold in the temple, oh, he's bound by his oath. You blind fools. Which is greater, the gold or the temple that has made the gold sacred? And you say, hey, if someone swears by the altar, it's nothing. But if anyone swears by the gift on the altar, oh, then he's bound by his oath. You blind men. For which is greater, the gift of the altar that make, or the altar that makes the gift sacred? So whoever swears by the altar swears by it and everything on it. And whoever swears by the temple swears by it and by him who dwells in it. Whoever swears by heaven swears by the throne of God and him who sits on it. All right, we're going to continue reading here through verse 23. Woe to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you tithe mint and dill and that other spice, and you have neglect the, the, the weightier matters of the law. Justice, mercy, faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. You blind guides. You strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. The third, third and fourth woes. 
They're really about missing majors. You know, he, he, Jesus is saying, okay, you're, you're tithing down to your spice rack, and that's good. You should be tithing. But don't miss the point. You know, he says, neglecting the weightier matters, justice, these things. He said, it's like, it's like those of you, and, and some of the rabbis did this, those of you, you strain, you try to strain your wine so that you make sure you don't even get a gnat, which is like the tiniest unclean ins insect. You, you're going to strain that out, but then you're going to turn around and you're going to swallow a camel, which was the largest animal that they would have been seeing in their time and in that place. All right, let's go on. Verses 25 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed, self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, and then the outside may be clean. May be clean. You know, th this... Um, oh, you know what? I'm going to continue through verse 28 here. Woe to you. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they're full of greed. I just read that already. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanliness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy. You're full of lawlessness. All right, these fifth and sixth woes. They are the essence of hypocrisy, right? When you think of hypocrisy, you think of this kind of thing. Hey, on the outside, you look one way. On the inside, you look another way. All right, so we, we, we just read a whole bunch of woes. We read a whole lot about hypocrisy, and it was pretty easy during that to just join Jesus, point the fingers. Aha, you religious no-gooders, look at that. You say one thing, and you're doing something else. You're missing the point and all these things. It is so easy to point fingers at those hypocrites. And now comes the harder work, right, of identifying hypocrisy in ourselves. You ready to go there? If you are, let me hear you say, I'm ready to go there. We're ready. <laughs> All right, we're ready. All right, well, here's, here's what happened. So on my normal run and pray this Monday, I was asking the Lord, and I was just saying, Lord, how, how do I make this helpful? Because nobody came or tuned in here today. They saw the word hypocrisy. No one says, oh, I am pro-hypocrisy. That, that's not how it is, right? And, and nobody says, oh, wait, what? Hypocrisy is not a good thing. You know, and then when we're in the situation that we're at, where we are worried if our loved ones are going to catch a potentially fatal disease, doesn't this just feel like pile on? Why, why would we talk, even talk about hypocrisy? So I, I was praying through this, and as I was praying for a word this, this thought came to my mind. I'd never thought like this before. The phrase that came to my mind is, hypocrisy is a symptom. Hypocrisy is a symptom. And because I'd never thought of hypocrisy like that before, I let that thought marinate a little bit. And certainly the word symptoms had my attention because of everything that's going on around. I mean, who can't relate to that? If you can relate to that, raise your hand. All right, I see that hand, right? So, um, yeah, early on, early on, when we were learning the symptoms of COVID-19, we, we were hearing early on as things like, oh, it's a runny nose, okay? It's, it's a cough, it's a headache, it's a fatigue. And I'm thinking, that is pretty much half of Minnesota for, you know, most of the, the year, right? But then later on, they started to say, here's the distinguishing symptoms, and that's a fever, that's the cough, it's the shortness of breath. It's really important to pay attention to symptoms. Really important. 
And we're highly aware of that right now. Because what happens is if you, if you get to know the symptoms, you can actually start to treat what's wrong. And you can start to, to, to know what's going on. You know? Well, when I was thinking that, I was trying to apply this to hypocrisy, and, and boy, my, my mind started to go to all kinds of places. In the case of hypocrisy, hypocrisy can be a symptom of at least four different things. Hypocrisy, hypocrisy is the symptom. And here's one of them. Hypocrisy can be a symptom of deliberate deception. And that's one we won't spend much time on because I think that's one everyone knows. That's classic hypocrisy. Someone is deliberately deceiving someone else for selfish gain. All right, but there's more than that. There's more than that. Here's another one. Hypocrisy can be a symptom of blindness. Hypocrisy can also be a symptom of blindness. And this is one that I think has a lot to say to us right now. And again, as best I can communicate to you, this is not me trying to pile on guilt. This is me trying to help all of us through a really tough time. Blindness, th this is an opportunity for us to see that. Let's circle back to that thing we said a few minutes ago. Nobody says, nobody says, oh, the church is the building. Nobody says that. Nobody says, oh, Christianity, that's just a Sunday thing. Nobody says that. But what happens when we're in a situation like this? Or we don't have access to the building? What happens in a situation like this? When we're not able to meet together on Sundays if we have more than 250 people or if we can't all sit six feet apart? You know? When you take that away, does your life still look like a follower of Jesus? Or do you no longer have some of those key identifying you know, marks? You want to be walking with Jesus during this season. You want to be walking with Jesus this season and every season. And if you take away a Sunday service and there's not much left, that's a symptom that something's not right. Okay, here's another symptom, another symptom. And this is another one people can relate to. You know, hypocrisy can also be a symptom of fear. Hypocrisy became a symptom of fear. If you read the Gospels between now and Easter, which I really hope you'll do, read the Gospels between now and Easter, you're going to find that there were people, they were beginning to believe things about Jesus. You're going to see this. All these people, they're beginning to believe things about Jesus, but they were afraid. They were afraid of what it was going to cost them to really follow him. What are others going to think? What do I have to give up? And there was fear. You know, this could be a game changer if we reflected on this. And this might be a good discussion question for those of you who are meeting in small groups or with your family, or maybe talk this over with your friends. What fears... What fears are really keeping us from fully following Jesus and following the Bible's teachings? Are they fears about money and possessions? Are they fears about status and pride? Fears about, you know, um, what we would have to give up watching and listening to? Fears about what it would mean for our friendships, for our relationships? Fears about not making a team, not getting a scholarship? You know, if this week highlights anything, it highlights what we learned in, when we were going through Ecclesiastes. How time and chance can just take any of these things away. Any of these things away. Things that we've just spent our whole focus, our whole life trying to pursue. Time and chance can undo them. If your life isn't matching up to the way of Jesus, sometimes fear can be a part of that. And again, you want to be walking with Jesus through every season, particularly right now. All right, let's look at one more. Hypocrisy can also be a symptom of weakness. Hypocrisy can be a symptom of weakness, and I hate that word. I hate that word. But this is probably one that I struggle with the most when it comes to my own life not matching up with my intentions. 
You know, I want to do what's right, and then I fall short. Now, one of the things I do want to really say, though, is sometimes that, and I hope some of you are able to really receive this, sometimes falling short is not hypocrisy at all. And this is one of the reasons why transparency can just be so freeing. You know, if we're setting up this image of ourselves where, oh, I've got it all together, and man, I've got this thing all figured out, then that's hypocrisy when you fall short. But how freeing it is to not ever go there, to not try to make this picture perfect, you know, um, image of our life, but rather to just be real and to be able to just say, hey, I'm not trying to present something about myself that's not true. That's very different, you know. What do we remind ourselves of when we receive communion together, you know? In fact, at home, you can say this with me if you can. We say this, we say, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, it is not it is not hypocritical to say like Paul did, hey, I haven't obtained all this, but then here's what he does. He doesn't stop there and go, yeah, I'm just a mess. He, he says this, he goes, but I press on. You know, I've not obtained all this, but I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. And that's what Coach Chris wants to challenge you with this season. Let's seize it, you guys. Let's seize this season, the season of Lent, the season of fasting and reflecting and, and going deep into the scriptures, devoting extra time to prayer. Let's seize this. Let's press in. You know, now there might be other symptoms that you can think of when it comes to hypocrisy. An easy one is just last week we we're talking about deifying desire. Maybe the reason that we're hypocritical is we put something else higher than we have God. There are all kinds of different things that could be symptoms, you know. But regardless of the symptom, regardless of the symptom, Jesus invites us to say, let's bring our lives back to consistency. The word is integrity. It means together, strong. You know, he wants to bring integrity to our broken lives. If Jesus said those words that he said to the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 3, if he said them to you, what would come to mind? You know, he said, for what they preach, they do not practice. And every single one of us, every single one of us, if we reflected on that, we'd find that there's some area, there's actually multiple areas where what we preach, we don't practice. Reflect on that. Because if we claim to be a Jesus follower, don't we want to become more like him? Well, here's the good news, you guys. God wants to help. He wants to help. He's given us his word to light our path. He sent his son break the power of sin and death, to demonstrate he's for you, not against you. He promised to give the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, to those who ask. And he invites us into his family, a family that is filled with hypocrites, like me and Mike and Sam, right? Like, like all of us, like all of you guys are watching, right? He, this, the family that is filled with hypocrites, but we recognize we need help. And we're, we're, we're coming before God and one another, cheering each other on, and, and looking and helping to see each other's blind spots and, 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 and overcoming our fears and helping one another strengthen those faith muscles. All right, so I got two challenges here as we bring this to a close this morning. And the first won't come to surprise as anyone. We've been talking about these doors. Mike, could you actually put up the slide of the, 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 from our graphic there, the, the one with the doors um, from the way? And I, I love this, this graphic that you and the team put together here, this, these doors. Throughout this series, we've been going through one door after another and, and trying to say, what are, what are these doors that we can walk through? And here's the one today, at least the first one. Are you, are you willing to follow Jesus through the practice what you preach door? 
Are you? Are you willing to say, okay, as best I can with God's help, with the help of my brothers and sisters, I'm going to walk through that door today. I'm going to try to practice what I preach. God, help me right here, right now to authentically become more like you. Okay, and then here's the follow-up question. Here's the follow-up question. That's this. Are we, are we willing to follow Jesus through the practice, what we preach, door? You know, when the Shoreview Community Center opens again, they're going to welcome guests, they're going to welcome volunteers, they're going to welcome members, and they'll welcome their leaders. And each of those groupings has different expectations. It's not hypocritical, it's just common sense. For guests, pretty much, hey, don't hurt anybody, don't break anything, right? For volunteers, the bar is raised a bit higher. For members, it's a higher level of commitment still. And then for leaders, that's at their highest level of commitment. Well, when we are able to meet together again, when we meet together again, we're going to welcome guests. We're going to welcome volunteers. We're going to welcome our members and our leaders. And what if, what if those new guests that join us, they see people who are more like Christ than we were on March 8th, than on March 15th? What if they saw that? Because we weren't just taking this time off, but we were pressing deeper still. And more importantly than that, what if your neighbors, what if your family, what if your friends were seeing that you were becoming more like Christ? You know, wouldn't that be beautiful? So who's in? Who's in for making that conscious decision? I'm going to seize this season. I'm going to reflect on what it means, you know, what it's going to take for me to practice what I preach just a little bit more each day. So that, so that when your day comes, you're not going to hear, woe to you. Woe to you, you toilet paper hoarder. Woe to you, you know, what good, you, you bad show binge watcher, right? What good is you to live in fear and waste this opportunity where you could have walked with me through this? You know, you could have experienced me in the midst of this dark valley. And so, also, when our day comes collectively, if it does, and the trumpet sounds, you know, we don't want to hear, woe to you. You created the slickest live stream in the suburbs, and what'd you do with it? You enabled people to just sit on the couch and remain the same. You know, we don't want that. Don't we all want? Well done. Well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into your rest. Well, as we pray, as we go to prayer here, towards that end, just want you to remember that those two things one, if you're not already, get signed up for ECC's mail. We, we've got a lot of things over the next days, weeks, potentially months that we're going to want to be communicating. And it's going to be the, the simplest way for us to start getting the word out. All right? So please sign up for that again, Kelsey at Emmanuel.church. And then number two, as I said earlier, when we finish, play that song. If you know it, sing along. If not, let that song Seal this time. That song, it's again, it's The Way, parentheses, New Horizon by Pat Barrett. All right, let, let me pray. Father, we are entering into a new season. Father, this is uh, so new to so many of us. But certainly, Father, it's not new to your people all around the world and throughout history. Lord, your, your, your people have faced just about everything there is that could be faced. So, Father, thank you, thank you, thank you 
that you have invited us to walk with you. And more than that, you, you've said we can ask for your Holy Spirit to come and live and dwell and live through us so that it's no longer us that live, but Christ that lives in us. Father, we don't want to waste this season. Father, let this be a time where we can do things like we talked about here today. We can identify. We can identify areas of our life where we weren't following you like we thought we were. Lord, we pray blessing over folks as they go into um, this new reality where there is so much fear, there's so much uncertainty. Father, we pray. We pray that peace which passes all understanding to come and guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. Lord, help us to come on the other side of this stronger than we went in as individuals and also as a church. Help us to learn your way. We pray in Jesus' name.